Hello, you're listening to the Demographic Cast, uh, our first podcast of the year, 2021. Uh, today we're joined as ever by Jack Street, and we're also joined by Will Dinley. How are you guys doing today? Good, thanks. Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did, Happy New Year to everyone. Did you guys manage to have a decent uh, Christmas or holiday break? Yeah, it wasn't too yeah, it was bad. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I got really drunk on Christmas Day, nice. um, and then was went to, went to bed really early on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. <laughs> I was in bed by about twenty past twelve. <laughs> Usher in the new year and then bedtime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think I did similar. I don't think I. Did. Well, you were you were suffering, Brett. You've I mean, suffering. over the it's, Christmas. It's good to have period. you back in full health. I was, yeah, with with the old virus, the old coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, and I apologise for any. Uh, I'm gonna try and not cough or clear my throat too much, but I'm still a bit, tiny, tiny bit bunged up. So I apologise if uh, if I make any um, horrible noises. I think if there's any excuse for coughing on a podcast, it's just recovering from coronavirus. I'll so try. We'll let you off this time. <laughs> this time. This time. We'll yeah, off. in the future yeah. though, no coughing allowed. <laughs> uh, if you uh, haven't seen Will Dinley before, he has featured on some of our live streams um, and also has written one or two uh, articles for us, which are worth checking out after, obviously Absolutely. after you've listened to this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to uh, dive straight in to the big topic that is Brexit um, as a main topic. We'll talk about coronavirus afterwards as well a bit further, but um, I wanted to talk about Brexit because I felt like a load happened and we weren't really talking about, or we weren't doing videos <laughs> at the time, so we kind of missed a bunch. Um, so just a, a quick, like, uh, recap. <laughs> uh, over the Christmas period, a trade deal was um, sort of in the works, before Christmas, that is, um, and it, it's been in the works for months, obviously, but they were sort of promising to have final talks to try and get some kind of trade deal through instead of uh, us and leaving on a no deal um, on the 31st. And they finally agreed to a deal on the 24th, so Christmas Eve. Um, big announcement was made, um, but it was really left out to the wire and Parliament ended up voting it through on the 30th, so only about a week ago since this uh, podcast is, is being recorded. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, first of all, what you or how you felt um, about the process as it was taking place and how um, was it right for it to only be to be agreed upon a week before we ended up, you know, having to have something in place? How did you guys feel about it as it was going on? I'll let you take that one first, Will. Well, well, we all know that the EU enjoys working down to the wire. I believe the tactic was from on their behalf to sort of try and really take us down to the last couple of days so we'd end up uh, giving them quite wide concessions on them being able to throw EU law through the back door kind of thing. But I had always... Were we had not doing faith. the same thing? The UK? Well, I think... Because yeah, the, the whole thing was about yeah. uh, fighting over getting the best deal possible for either side, right? So if either, oh, yeah, yeah. so both of them are going to be trying to do that, which is I, I think is probably why it took so long for a deal to be made. Yeah, yeah, we were clashing. Most likely, we clashed until basically the last minute. There was probably no point in that debate or the uh, negotiations where we genuinely thought, "Are oh, we getting a great deal here?" Mm. Or both sides could have thought that, and obviously that 
clashes with you know the citizens of the EU and the Brexiteer over here but um yeah I, I was very happy when the deal eventually got struck I thought it was I'd, by about the 20th when they started reporting that there's only one thing left to do there's only two things left to do I really thought yeah this is going to happen they're really going to yeah. take it down I wasn't too happy with the amount of parliamentary scrutiny it got but at the end of the day the ERG who I take my own from and because they are the ones who guided me through uh, the policy in the last time when Theresa May brought back her deal. Uh, they they gave it the okay. Uh, Mr. Farrells gave it the okay. The Brexiteers on most of the Tory party side gave it the a-okay apart from some areas. And you just think, although we conceded in some areas, you just got to take that is it. That's probably the best deal we could have gotten for this country. And it would have been definitely as much better than no deal. So I'm happy with the outcome, even if it did take to the last day. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. You know, I, I'm glad we got a deal because I think no deal would have been even more catastrophic than any deal that we could have ended up with. Um, I think it's frustrating for people that it's taken this long. I think it's frustrating for businesses that it's taken this long. Um, the, the biggest problem that's come out of all of this is the amount of uncertainty that it's brought when we're already in a, a very uncertain period as it is for, for businesses and, and workers. Um, so it's good that we ended up finally having a deal. The thing that I that remained in my mind throughout the process, though, was one one question, really, and that's why are we doing this? You know, so it was still why are we doing this? And from from my perspective, um, it, it hasn't necessarily been uh, sort of succinctly and clearly explained to me why we are, why we still are leaving the EU. Apart from like beyond, you know, the talking points that were fleshed out throughout the um, referendum that really, in my opinion, don't have too much substance behind them. Um, you know, we're talking about where we get our, our views from. Well, I've listened to as many leading economists as I can, people that have negotiated trade deals, um, experts in, in, in business, and the consensus is probably about 90%, if not more, that we are going to be in a worse position after this than we were when we were in the EU. Now, Will, I, I know you probably disagree with that, and I'm interested to see what you think, but I, I still question why we're, why we're doing this. I still question what the point of Brexit is, personally. I understand why the vote was cast, I understand what people's frustrations were, but I still don't quite grasp why it is that we're actually leaving. Will, do you want to try well, and answer that? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know. Even I think Brexit here that you respect that the economy isn't gonna isn't gonna like grow isn't gonna expand massively because of this in the in the or short at all. Or at all, it might. It, well, it's the consensus is by the Treasury. If you want to fully believe and be on track with those stats, which of course I, I understand why people do want to just go steadfast with the government's view, uh, we will be worse off economically by between uh, about three or four percent, I believe it is, in the GDP in next year or in the next couple of years. But I don't believe that people would change their vote because of that. I believe that the campaign was so strong in the view of tech control, sovereignty, these people don't control us anymore. We're going to be free. If they, people believe that this, people believe this so much now that if they really don't start to live it on even 
even a couple of the promises, if they get that in the headlines, they're going to be really happy with the choice that they made. Even if it means the tiniest bit of GDP, they don't really care what GDP is. I don't think the Northern voters really give a huge damn about the GDP because even even though it was rounding their faces all the time, it was, we'll be worse, we'll be worse off, you will lose your job. That that, And I think it's when the first thing didn't happen, after the referendum, the job losses didn't happen and the economic, the technical recession didn't happen. Well, that wasn't going to happen after the recession, after the referendum. Because nothing well, had been fully called. decided on. It's what, it's what, it's what, yeah, but uh, the the economy has subsequently, we're, we're facing a double dip recession, aren't we? So, you know, not just because of, not just because of Brexit, we've been having economic hardship for the last eight to ten years. It's, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, and, but to also to come back to yeah. some of the things you said, you know, you, you, let's take them, I guess, one by one. You mentioned sovereignty and taking back control, if you will, from the EU. A white paper that was um, published by the government after the Brexit vote in 2016 said that the UK has always been a sovereign nation. We always had our sovereignty. That was done by the Conservative government. We, had, we have always been a sovereign nation. We have always been able to create our own laws, to make our own laws. We, are part of, we were part of an economic trading block that has political aspects. Yes, I agree. And I have problems with a lot of the bureaucracy that occurs in the EU and the way that it's set up. I don't think the EU is a perfect institution at all. However, do I think that we're far better off in it? Yes. It is not true that we weren't a sovereign country, that we've all of a sudden taken back our independence from this monolithic dictatorship, uh, like we're leaving the, Sov- the Soviet Union. It's not That is not the case whatsoever. Um, then being able to, to create our, our own laws and our own rules, what is it now that you are looking forward to being able to do that we couldn't have done before when we were in the EU? Well, on the side of the economy, I'm looking forward to be able to create um, personalised, if you will, trade agreements with countries like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, etc., joining the CTPP or something of that nature, uh, expanding our expanding our economic prosperity into what will grow in the future. Like I don't believe that... The EU isn't expected to grow. The the EU accounts for very little of the world's economic growth or projected to in the next couple of years, in the next five to 10 years. And all of the growth is going to happen in the Asian countries like Singapore, etc. Japan as well, which we have created a trade deal with, which we can go which we, it was, and... The trade deal that's also been... It's a continu- that was a continuity agreement. Yeah, but you say a continuity agreement is a trade deal. But we had that when we were in the EU. Absolutely, but it is our it is now our trade deal, which we can change and take part of if we want. And if we want to negotiate, and the other countries want to negotiate, which sounds like they do, especially Australia, Japan want to go further, Canada look like they want to go further, etc. They were able to be built on. So a continuity agreement. We've done about sixty three of those, which is absolutely unprecedented. And whether I think whether you're it's only unprecedented. Sorry, and I, I, I keep chipping in, but I think it's important. It's only unprecedented because nobody else has taken the decision to leave a trading block as large as the EU. That's why it's unprecedented because nobody else in in history has decided to do what we've done. That's the only reason it's unprecedented. It's not that we're we're a, a man, managing to achieve this miraculous thing. All we're doing is signing continuity agreements that we were already part of when we were part of the single largest trading block in the world. Well, it does just, it shows how powerful our diplomacy is, our soft power. It just shows that we can 
we were told we couldn't do this. We were told many, many times by leading Remainers, especially on the media, the coming through the media, the guests, some of the presenters at the time, that we could not do this, that we would not get the 40, as Liam Fox said, trade agreements past the line. And we were taunted. It was being taunted from day one, from February 1st, this wouldn't happen. Then slowly by, uh, by surely, we've built up these agreements, gone from 10 to 20 to 50 to 63 now, I believe it is. And with more to come, they're saying so. And with the biggest countries that we could have done a do deal with. And I just believe that although we they were copy and paste deals, as I see on social media all the time, they are still deals. But in this case, now they can be built on to make art, to expand into new markets and boost our prosperity in different areas of the world. They account for a very small amount of our trade, though, don't they? Those agreements and the, the EU trade counts for a very large amount, which is why it's so important that we got a deal with the EU. However, we weren't told by leading economists that we weren't going to be able to replicate any of those deals. What we were told by leading economists was that we weren't be able to weren't going to be able to on our own unless it was over a huge period of time spanning, take Jacob Rees Mogg's estimate, fifty years, negotiate trade deals that would increase the UK's economic power outside the EU. It wasn't the case that people said we will never be able to grow economically as a country again. It was to be able to do that, it's going to take such a long time and it will damage the economy in such a great way that it negates the uh, pros of leaving in the first place. Well, that's what that's what leading economists said. Yeah, well, I think it'd be interesting to see what actually happens as I believe that the economy will, I think it will fall because of Brexit, but how much it will fall is down to how we mitigate our way out this uh, the virus, the pandemic, for example, and how we mitigate diplomacy with other countries. These contingency deals would de have definitely saved us from a hell of a lot worse than, can we, I, would have, than we would have. Had. Can I just butt in? If you, yes, if, if you think that the, um, that the, uh, economy will um decrease because of brexit did you did you know that when you uh, have you known that for as long as you've supported it do you think or have yes, you thought I was, I was never i was never told it would just boom that we would gain four percent we've always been told even by brexiteers that short term may be a bit messy medium to long term that's when we start properly engaging and the timelines run out and we start engaging. People weren't so we told that never... during the referendum though, were they? Well, to be, I, I won't lie to you, I wasn't paying too much attention during the referendum, but I don't believe that during the referendum they ever promised huge amounts of immediate economic growth. All I do remember was the promise of when we left the EU by the Bank of England, which unfortunately turned political during the referendum. I, that uh, is not that, true. That, Will, that's not true, mate. That's not true. That's not true. Well, well, you'd never hear the, you never heard Mark Carney offer his opinion when we had an election, or when Jeremy Corbyn, for example, made his arrain huge pledges about money being spent in the UK, just because of his uh, ideas and his free this, free that, nationalise this, nationalise that. But you did hear his biased comments when we were in the referendum so they weren't biased comments they were economic forecasts and economic predictions which the bank of england has to make even after there's an election the referendum is an outlier it, the referendum is an anomaly and therefore mitigations were had to be made if anybody was working the hardest to save the 
the UK economy during the time that we left, it was Mark Carney when he was um, head of the Bank of England. The amount of uh, economic protections that he put in place to save the economy over that time were unprecedented. They were unprecedented. So if anybody was looking out for the British people the most, it was Mark Carney. He wasn't playing political games. He was actually looking out for the interests of the British people. Well, I believe his personal comments um, in interviews, especially throughout the last five years, have definitely, on Brexit, not by uh, elections, which is good, um, have erred on the side of political bias against one, against one side. But um, I, I obviously appreciate the work he did. The, um, the economy never seemed to lose between 500,000 and 800,000 jobs on a vote to leave, which was one of the comments made by the Remain campaign. We're not suffering this huge £3,400 tax bill per household, as David Cameron showed on his massive billboard, that we're going to all lose all this money because we leave. We did uh, spend a hell of a lot of money trying to leave, though. Absolutely, but it hasn't hit us, and it hasn't. We haven't. <laughs> hasn't it? We haven't what, uh, couldn't we have been putting that money into something better, like maybe the right support for the, the outbreak that's currently ongoing, or supporting the NHS, like well, the the Leave campaign said we would be able to do once we'd left, which also turned out to be a complete lie. Well, we have been, since we actually left, putting over a billion pounds a week into the NHS, which is... Yeah, but I'm saying that there would have been more if they, if we hadn't been spending so much money on leaving the EU, wouldn't it? But I believe that spending money to enact the democratic vote of the people is worthwhile, and that the money... So, well, can, we, I, we, we, can I just yes, quickly ask uh, why, yeah. why you wanted to leave then in that case? Why you support it? Well... I didn't have a view in 2016. I wasn't. No, no, but, no. You, so you didn't vote in the referendum, but why do yeah. you support it now? No. Well, I've supported it since uh, 2019, around then, when I started actually getting into it. Just because it makes you. The people on the Remain campaign, I didn't really like anyway. I've you didn't like anyone on the Remain campaign. <laughs> not I liked David Cameron. I thought he was actually quite a good prime minister. Not just because of conservative, he was a good prime minister. He held the office well. Whether his pol I agree with his policies or not, it's a different thing. Most I did about seventy percent, I would say. But some of the pe yeah, some of the people were decent people who just had a different opinion. But then some of the people who are now we are seeing are not so decent people who are very smeary and a very arrogant towards people with a different opinion i just think i don't really want to be on that side who that is it your your who is it you're um imagining when you say anna people like anna subri joe swinson alistair campbell femi olawole or whatever the name is just those sorts of people you just i just don't want to be a part of and that's what first got me into it but then, then so I it wasn't necessarily the ideas behind the campaign it was the people no. your perception of the no. people that were and I really remain. do think, I really do think that that's pushed a lot of people to the smeary anti-UK by some. I'm not saying the remainders are anti-UK in the slightest, but some of these people just seem so anti-us, anti-our country, anti-prosperity. Everything's now, oh, well, you could have done that there. You could have done, oh, the EU have done that better, or oh, the EU have done that better. And I know that we want to say the UK have done better, but then it's just getting shouted down by people are saying, oh, no, we're not better. Why has he got a flag? I saw you tweeted earlier. 
uh, yeah, but to be fair, that, that's got nothing to do with Brexit, and that's that's not, I don't think, why many people are opposed to Brexit. I am personally opposed to Brexit because I love this country. I want this country to be in the best position it possibly can be, and I don't think that leaving the EU is the best thing for the people of this country. That's why my my yeah, yeah, pa- yeah, my patriotism right. fuels my anti-Brexit sentiment, not the other way around. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, I was saying that that's what mainly fuels the Leave campaign is patriotism. But I can't say it's the main campaign for your side or the Remain campaign. I can't like because of the sorts of comments that you see on a daily basis. I don't know a Lever who isn't patriotic and Leave want the best for this country, which is why they wanted, and which is why they were told that leaving is better for the country. But then the Remain campaign said, if you want to be patriotic, then stay in because that's what's best for the country. So we're just clashing heads. But I do believe that Leavers are much more Brit- uh, much more patriotic emph- like very emphatically patriotic especially on social medias and stuff like that than Remainers are and um, yeah that, what is patriotism got- to you though what is patriotism to you is patriotism blindly being happy and cheerful about what your country does no matter what it is no matter what the benefit it has or is being patriotic to you looking out for the people of this country wanting the best for the people of this country calling out elites, calling out people who aren't enacting the best for this country and campaigning for that. What is, what, what, how do you define patriotism? Because you said that you didn't like the smeary nature of the Remain campaign and you've just essentially smeared the majority of people in, who campaigned for Remain. Uh, no, I wouldn't say I've smeared. I would say that it is quite, it's quite visible, the sort of the Remain campaign and the people that I've seen, anyway, the Twitter. I know Twitter's not the best place to go on, but that seems to be where the remainers are. That seems to be what sorts of comments come out from people like that. The loudest and voices are on Twitter. On, I think you can find either side. Being oh no, absolutely. I've, my, some of my family voted Remain, and they they're they're as patriotic as you'll come across. So they they support this country and want the best for it, just as you two do. I'm absolutely sure of that. But um. Yeah, it's not blindly following the country. Uh, It's not blindly following the decisions made by the country, which is why, because people didn't like the decisions which were being made by the people who run this country. People didn't like the constant of bigging up of the EU. They didn't want, in the referendum's case, they didn't really want, they didn't, that's why they follow people like Nigel Farage, who although says he's a member of the, he's a businessman who's not part of the political elite, which, you know. <laughs> which is nonsense. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, Nigel. But um, yeah, so it's just, if people believed him and people went along with him, even though he's an elected politician mm. in some regards, or in nearly all regards, really, or he was, yeah. people wanted to follow him. And you just think they didn't, I think it's, completely different to blindly following it because they didn't like following it and that's why they wanted change and i know businesses and business organizations like the cbi well the cbi i don't think is the best person to follow for anything really because they've been wrong nearly everything the euro exchange rate mechanism etc but um yeah so people didn't want to follow the big business they didn't want to fo- they wanted to follow their and i think they voted with their hearts and not with their heads but even is, so, either way you look at it, whether it be big institutes that are, are, are formed by the heads of big businesses or unions that represent workers, and I know you're just you're, maybe you don't like unions either. I don't know. Maybe you think that they're just political. Well, I guess they are in many ways, but they represent workers. That's who they. 
unions represent workers have said when you've got the CBI and the TUC coming together and supporting the same thing surely at some point you have to go mm, maybe maybe they, they might be right about something these two organizations that almost never agree maybe on this thing they, they might be they might be correct well yeah, you just think yeah it's quite it's quite astonishing to see who actually did come together during the campaigns who joined what side obviously i think it's very weird to think that i saw it as the loudest voices because obviously the government was pro-Remain. The, the uh, number 10 Downing Street was Remain. That was cut. That was the core. And from watching various thing, documentaries like The Coalition, I watched the other day, I watched the uh, the Channel 4's Brexit thing, whilst not obviously all fa- factually accurate, was quite, it was reviewed as quite representative of what actually happened. It was very interesting to see where the, uh, the Leave campaign started from how they built up their momentum, where they went to, and the people who'd, quote, not seen a politician come round to my door in 20, 30 years. So it's the people that felt like they've never had a connection with, that their vote meant nothing, their vote never reached the doors of Downing Street, their vote was never even looked at, it could have just been thrown onto a pile. Yeah. But this vote, they thought, okay, I'm going to trust that this vote is anti the people who have ignored me for years, anti the people who think they know everything and run everything yeah sure. you're gonna vote with my heart instead isn't it and ironic isn't it ironic yeah isn't it ironic though that they were sold that lie by the very people that have been ignoring them for 30 years isn't that the irony of brexit though in my opinion because i agree with you that is in my opinion that is absolutely the sentiment behind the brexit vote that is why um, we, we've left now and i think that the reason these the quintessential reason that we've left is because British political institutions have failed people in this country for so long. That's why we've left. Completely agree with you on that. Where I think we differ is I see through the bullshit that those people were fed. I see that those lies that they were sold during the the referendum campaign weren't true and they will not come true. I, I, I can tell you now that the problems that those people thought Brexit was going to solve won't be solved by leaving the EU. They will remain because the very people that sold them those lies are now in government. Are they being represented now? I don't see it. Which lie? If you give me a specific one, I might be able to... The extra funding for the the NHS. Being able to make our own laws. Getting our sovereignty back. Being able to control our borders. There's four. Well, in a way, they were all true. So in in what way, though? In what way? Let's Let's take them one by one. 350 million quid a week extra for the NHS. In what way was that true? Well, I think it was wrong to use the gross figure, but right. that's absolutely going to be, if they don't fulfill that, they can fulfill that promise. I agree they could fulfill but, that promise whenever they wanted to. Right, but, okay. Yeah, exactly. But the money coming back, the net, the returned money coming back, will be able to boost that funding. And that it's not that's not entirely correct, but the money that went there that said on the bus we do send 350 million pounds to the eu that wasn't a lie but where it goes what comes back the net gross debate wasn't the best debate and yeah that's true okay but, okay so what was the the next one i said sovereignty we've already been through the sovereignty debate with the uk the government published a white paper that said the uk has always been sovereign we've always British been government. a sovereign 
We've always been a sovereign nation. You cannot lie in a white paper. It's uh, checked multiple times. It's delivered by the civil service, apolitical. Um, but then, but but you have to you have to be able to offer some kind of alternative argument. Do you see what I mean? You can't just say, "Oh, I think that they're." A, the civil service is all political they all hate brexit and therefore yeah. i'm going to ignore everything they say how I'm in what ways like, were we not a sovereign nation yeah i think you're, you're true in the just the general smear of anything that the civil service does is always tainted it's like the view of the bbc everything that they do seems to be tainted with a left-wing bias when I, that's obviously not the case but i just think people trust in them have just deteriorated ever since people have become so tribal in their areas that they're communicating with the people that don't might be floating in the middle but they just get pelted constantly with this narrative that the civil service are fully left-wing biased everything they do is tainted and you know that's why uh people just just walk away they don't like it sure okay so if we understand that that's a smear and that's not the case and then a paper that was delivered by the british government that said britain has always been sovereign and we're still saying that we're going to get our sovereignty back. In what way are we getting our sovereignty back? And in what way did we not have it for all the years that we were in the EU? Well, we were able to control our own waters. We're a fully sovereign uh, coastal state with the ability to, at uh, the end of the transition period on fish, to allow negotiations to enter our water space and fish within our water space. We're in the consultation of banning the super trawlers. Yeah, there are... There yeah, there are, there are only two areas in which we couldn't have banned, um, we, we couldn't have changed our own fishing laws. They're the use of massive nets to catch fish, super nets. Um, two countries in the EU have banned the use of those nets, so it is the case that we'd be able to ban that whilst we were in the EU. That's a falsehood. The super trawler um, argument is true. We, we, we couldn't have banned super trawlers from at least two of the nations that use them. There are only two nations that use super trawlers in British waters. They are one from Britain, and then I think there's six super trawlers from the Netherlands that fish in British waters. So really, the way we weren't sovereign, the way that the whole of the UK wasn't sovereign for all of those years, was that we couldn't ban six boats from fishing in our waters. That was the only way that we weren't sovereign. Is that enough lack of sovereignty to sell to voters that we aren't a sovereign nation? But no, there's you've got the uh, well, people believe that the essence of sovereignty was being able to control your own borders, not having the free movement of people, which is absolutely fantastic. Now it's removed. We were can I just point out? Can I just point out that various European Union countries shut their borders two weeks ago to the UK individually because of the strain of the coronavirus. Is that not control yeah. of their is that not them having control of their borders? Well, you can shut your borders, of course, but you're that, really that's... just going to shut them. Okay, that... that's sovereignty over shutting your borders, but you can't just keep your borders shut to a country. That's not the point. It's no, stopping but... people from just flowing in. But, just but they can't just flow in, though. That was never the case. Not but, but and... no, it's stopping Sorry, go on. Sorry. No, yeah, well, it's stopping the free the aspect of free movement, where now the points-based immigration system, there's much more control over who's there, who's coming in. There's much more essence of, on feeling of, we are now able 
to hopefully, as promised by this government, however much you want to believe them or not, considering what's been going on recently, etc. They said that they would get immigration under control due to Brexit. I, along with the 52%, will believe that we will hold them to account about that. And you have outsiders, commentators, absolutely making sure that these people will keep their promises. And if they don't, I will move it. If they don't, I'm happy to admit that that was never going to be the case. And if commentators come along and say, well, why aren't you doing this? You can do this now, do this. And they just don't. Then there's pr if these promises don't come true, they're going to lose their entire crowd. I don't think the Tories will ever be voted in again. But there is huge will on the backbenches of this party, especially this party and the DUP, to get these promises, to get what was said in the referendum through to people, through to the neighbourhoods that they forgot. And the levelling up policy, the, the phrase levelling up, is just the phrases used by the Tory party, I just believe, were unbeatable. You can't beat slogans like that, even if it might be stupid, petty politics with no meaning behind the phrase. The phrase used was just great and I think really connected with the people. And now people want to know what levelling up means. They want to see that levelling up and they just want these, what they were promised, come true. And that will re-get, that will re-entice them into actual politics. Their vote would have mattered. We've got the chance. You've got to make it happen. I, I agree that you'll do that. I totally believe that, that, that you'll do that. I, I want to come back to the free movement thing, though, because I think it's important. The way that free movement worked when we were in the EU, the, 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 essentially the laws were that you can't deport somebody for up to three months. That was the rule. You can't deport somebody for up to three months. So that you're, you're, you're allowed to go to a country to look for work, to travel, to go on holiday, to settle down for up to three months. If you don't do that by those three months, you can be deported. Yep. In what ways would you like to make that stricter? Well, we've seen the fact now that there is, for the first five years, uh, migrants not being able to access benefits and services that we would in the UK. We, ena we enacted that whilst we were still in the EU. No, we we've only been able to implement it ever since we've left the EU, which was on the Jan well, the left the EU institutions, which was on January the first. Which from then on, EU citizens are no longer entitled to benefits. I'm almost certain that we could have we could have done that for for maybe not that period of time, but we could have. Been, I assume that would have been fought for by people who supported Brexit, and that's always been the case that they have said that we should do that immediately as we leave. So I would I wouldn't a uh, I wouldn't assume that that would have been able to be done within the I'm happy to be corrected if there's genuine people out there who can correct me that's fine but I have to look if into it can that be after. Done, sure yeah I'm happy to be corrected on that but um yeah I just think that's that's a big thing for uh, the NHS surcharge being put up everyone being treated equally from where they come from so if you come from India or if you come from France you will be treated the same I think that's and the NHS visa fast pass, fast track, whatever you, whatever Pretty Patel's calling it, that thing's, sort of, that thing's a great aspect as well. Just, you know, being able to control who, who we let in faster, who we let in slower, who's actually going to be a benefit to the country, who's going to make our, who's going to help our economy, who's going to be a great citizen, who's going to work hard, who's going to make the difference in people's lives. That's the kind of thing that 
people wanted to see. They didn't just want to see what they were shown of just people being able to come here, take lower their wages, take that kind of thing off away from them. And I don't believe in the, I wouldn't call it a smear, I just call it a, a stupid comment of, oh, British people aren't going to pour cups of tea at Pret or people, British people aren't going to go and pick out fruit because we've seen that people volunteered to pick out fruit during on their furlough. We've seen that kind of emphatic spirit within the British people, especially during this pandemic. So I just don't believe in the fact that, oh, because we can't get any fruit pickers from Romania, we're all going to fail as a country. We're going to become some third world I, I country. I think the argument is more that looking at statistics and demographics, that generally the people who tend to be on the lower paid jobs and the lower qualified jobs are people are immigrants from other countries. But anyway, let's let's move on quickly before we spend a bit too long on this. I just want to quickly ask you before we move on to coronavirus. Um, are you to go back yeah. to the deal? Are you both happy with the deal? Jack, you want to go first? first? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I don't know if I can answer that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that I'm happy that there's a deal and time will tell. Um, what the time will tell what the quality of that deal is and, and how it, it benefits the country and um i think we just have to kind of wait and see you know i saw i've seen you know there's there's been a lot of trouble at the the border i've seen the various commentators will i think you made a few comments you know where are all the ramonas now there's not massive queues at the border is there it's like yeah we've only been left for three or four days you know there are massive rigmaroles lots of people aren't doing cross-border um uh taking goods across borders anyway at the moment because of coronavirus um, I think just let's all settle down and not call it a massive success four days, f five days, six days, seven days into us leaving. Let's give it some time. Let's see what happens and judge it on its merits. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't think anybody can actually answer that question at the moment. Well, uh, yeah, well, well, I, I see the difference between a Remainer, a Ramona and a Rejoiner and um, the people that moan and the people that go, Oh, you've seen what's happening now with the French shutting their borders. I'll wait till January the 1st. That's the kind of people I was aiding those comments at. But um, through the deepest analysis that could have possibly be done within the time that the deal has actually been out, which is very weird that it's only been less than a month. It was only a few weeks ago that the deal was announced and now so much has happened. It's sort of swept under the carpet a bit. It's fourth in the news item on the day kind of thing. It's very weird. But, um, to be fair to the news yeah, outlets, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the 25th, the Brexit was number three, four in the news compared to coronavirus. And you just think this this is probably one of the biggest things that will ever happen. So it's pretty shocking it's down there. But through analysis I've seen by the people that I trust to give me the right information. So, for example, the ERG, I didn't take government spin immediately. I would have loved to. And I, I didn't believe every single word, every single word, sorry, that they were saying, but it would have been nice to obviously have have all of that control that they were spouting. But through analysis done by the Brexit slash Reform Party, the analysis done by um, the ERG, who I take very seriously in their account because they went the 28 Spartans, they got called silly name, but Spartans <laughs> that went against Theresa May's deal, and you just think, okay, they were. Skeptical about some of the items. I get John Redwood abstained because of the fishing in Northern Ireland practical, but in a general sense, they felt that sovereignty in their eyes was restored. There was no, there was a leave, we could leave the deal in 12 months' notice if we wanted to. 
which meant that we had full control over what we did. If they wanted to try to enforce the level playing field aspect on us, we could just up and leave, which would be pretty astonishing if we did, considering how long and how much effort went into the deal. But yeah, I'm happy that I'm for now until there's something comes out the back door which no one spotted. I'm happy with the deal. Okay, uh, let's move on to coronavirus quickly. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, it feels like there's just constantly things happening every every day at the moment. Um, again, a bit of a summary. On the 19th of December, so just a few days before Christmas, Boris Johnson U-turned again, on um, this time on um, allowing for allowing restrictions to be um, reduced, as was the initial plan for like five, I think it was five days, was it, over the Christmas period, and allowing up to three households to gather indoors Um that got cancelled. He uh, basically, I think he allowed Christmas Day to have the the uh, regulations relaxed. But um, but even then, was I think it was only two households, wasn't it? Instead of three, I'm not entirely yeah, two sure. Households. Yeah. yeah, two households. Um, over that, they the reason that the that they decided to make that decision was because a new strain was. Uh, sort of gripping the nation and yeah. was supposed in to be our neck of the woods in our neck yeah. of the woods and was far more infectious mm-hmm. than the uh the original um strain of the virus um so the numbers were were increasing massive increasing massively now as of yesterday we've entered another lockdown so it's lockdown three uh this time round, all the schools are closed um again with that's the major change i think other changes like sports games aren't happening anymore uh i can't i don't know if there are any other big changes but um yeah sorry just on the schools something else that boris johnson said that he wasn't going to do about four days ago yeah again yeah which he said at the weekend on the yeah and then the following day announced that they were going to close um how how are you guys feeling about about this because personally over the christmas period I, i was suffering from the virus myself but i was just in a from the 19th when they made that decision i was in a permanent state of basically anger at, at the at how poorly the government is dealing with this has been for months but th- that was the nail on the on the coffin for me because we had been told we were allowed to to relax um regulations it ever since i remember looking in the last week of the last lockdown at the numbers and seeing that the amount of cases were as, ex- as exactly at exactly the same level as the beginning of the lockdown and not really decreasing very rapidly didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you then relaxed all the restrictions it would probably not it really go your way um, and then on top of that there was a new strain so i was just in a basic constant state of anger so i, I don't know how you guys felt during that period well uh, well, yeah, obviously when you hear the Christmas news, you were a bit deflated. I was very excited because two or three out of the five days I was going to see family, which although I had seen uh, on and off for a, for an unusual period, it's not never as much as I would have, obviously. But yeah, it was a very deflating feeling. It was sad. It was. I thought most of the public knew it was going to happen. Apparently, most of the people wanted it to be restrained. But I'm not going to just sit here and blame the government in full 
as some people do, not yourself, Brett. I know there's other things that happened. But um, I understand that the new strain, there's nothing you can do. You have to do it. There's they The promise was based upon there not being this ridiculous strain, which nobody expected across the world, if we're being honest. Nobody expected this to escalate hugely as it did with a massive 70 plus 70 maximum percent boost in infection rates and i think he did make although a u-turn which although he's going to be obviously he's going to get criticized for he made the right decision tier four wasn't allowed at all which i was in i don't know if you were in i believe you were yeah so yeah so it's just um yeah, it's, it's obviously a feeling that i wasn't as supportive of the november lockdown i didn't believe it was necessary for everywhere in the country i believe a tier four situation should have been brought in then if it was that big a deal wherever it was growing tier four should have been implemented well in hindsight obviously but this lockdown i have to support i've read multiple things i'm not on the julia hartley brewer side anymore i'm not on the piers morgan side anymore trust me but i just you just know it has to happen you just know there's no way you can just let this rip We've seen what's happening in the hospitals. We've seen the beds yeah. filling up. We've seen what's happening. Yeah, this I mean, has to be done. They've enough. done the right thing. For sure. Sorry, just to, mm. I was just yeah, going to say that, that um, I meant to say at the beginning that as of today, they've recorded the highest deaths and cases since April. I think today yeah, we surpassed 62,000 cases and just over 1,000 deaths um, again. It's insane. Yeah, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. Jack, what, what are your feelings? Yeah, a few things. No, go, go ahead, Will, if you're not finished, go ahead. No, no, it's just the, obviously we have to say with COVID, um, but you just see the deaths, you just see the hospital beds piling up, you just see the the people protesting outside, you just think, seriously, are, yeah. you, um, are you really stupid? It's not a pandemic, <laughs> it's an actual pandemic, <laughs> which people may have exaggerated in some countries, which people may have under mind in some countries this is the all these restrictions are political otherwise everybody be otherwise everybody would be doing the exact same thing at the exact same point these are i believe that the united kingdom has definitely become extremely disunited throughout this in the political sense and i just think some of it has been appalling in the sense that we're not following pathways although we're different stages we're not following the same sort of guidance isn't Three tiers here, five tiers here, eight tiers here, whatever. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, the anger for me comes from the disunity of our country and our political parties instead of the U-turns in some respects. Yeah, I I think, um, Brett, I don't know if this is the case, like just a few things of what you said. Well, well, I'll speak for myself. I I would blame the government for probably 90% of the mishandling of this. I think that you, you have outliers who people who aren't going to follow the rules people that aren't going to wear masks people that are going to have gatherings those people are always going to exist whatever rule you make there are going to be people that break them so you can't govern you can't set rules and legislations based on what those people are going to do you just have to mitigate against that what you have to do the reason that we elect politicians is to make difficult decisions in difficult times and what this government has systematically failed to do is make difficult decisions at difficult times we've been saying it on this podcast for probably about six months now, that action needs to be taken, action needs to be taken, action needs to be taken. Um, the science needs to be followed in the proper manner. And it hasn't been, you know, uh, t- the tiered system didn't work. Regionalized lockdowns don't work. The World Health Organization came out and said, lockdowns don't work as your primary form of, prevent- of virus prevention and control. 
listen to the scientists, you have to put in different steps to be able to mitigate, mitigate against the virus. We are killing certain sectors of business by not taking proper action. And that's why now I think we need to have a full New Zealand style lockdown for a month, a month and a, a month and a half to finally get the virus under control properly throughout the country. Because if we don't, it is going to remain until we roll out the vaccine. Well, it, it will remain until we roll out the vaccine anyway, but we have to try and mitigate it more than we are doing at the moment to be able to roll out the vaccine more effectively. Because if we don't, it's going to take longer to roll the vaccine out. Businesses are going to suffer more. It's going to cost the country more money. And it's going to take us longer to get back to living our lives in the way that we want to live them. It is getting completely ridiculous now. And it is because of the indecision. That is the problem. You know, I, I, the buck stops for me at the leaders. That's where the, that's where the buck stops. And th there's only so long that you can say, oh, yeah, but they're trying their best. And it's a really difficult situation. I get that. But that's why they're there. You know, and if they're not doing a good enough job, they have to be held to account. This is uh, kind of where my anger came from, because we look to our leaders to deal with the with crises as they come up. And um, it's the fact that up until the very last moment, every time these U-turns happen, the government and the, 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 the prime minister and the ministers are all defending the actions that they're taking at that time until the very moment that they decide they don't want they're going to make a complete um 360 and and change yep. their their advice and if if you are london over the last month has been in four different types of tiers or lockdowns if these places keep changing in terms of regulations and what the advice is people will not know what they're supposed to be obeying, and they won't um, have trust in what's being advised. Because yeah. how can it constantly change from one week to the next? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing with, with prominent figures breaking the rules, whether it's Dominic Cummins or it's Kay Burley or it's Piers Morgan. I don't give a, a toss who it is. I don't care what their political leanings are. When you see prominent figures, whether they be from the government or from popular culture, breaking the, the rules media. the media people go well if they're not if they're not going to follow the rules and they're not going to um have the reper repercussions why the hell should i you know and mm -hmm. it, it it started with dominic cummins it started with stanley johnson and it falls on these uh these prominent figures now that are doing it at this point after you know virtue signaling if you if you will about how important it is to follow the rules and all these people that are breaking the rules are scumbags that are breaking the rules themselves you cannot expect other people to follow the rules. So you, as I say, you need to lead by example. And that's what we, we need some decisiveness. We need some action. We need some leadership. Otherwise, what are they for? What are the leaders for? What are politicians yeah. for if it isn't to do that? I was just, another thing that I, I, I feel like I read things every day that are, you know, just shocking. Like I, I shared something on the Demographica Twitter page the other day about um, how the new strain is affecting younger people more than it seemed like the first one was. Um, there are now wards full of children um, who are suffering from the uh, the virus, and like twenty to thirty year olds who don't are normally completely healthy and don't have any underlying health conditions, but are on um, intensive care units. Um, what is uh, what what really shocked me, and I'm lucky to not be in a position where I know anybody who is uh, suffering from from cancer at the moment, or or who um, needs treatment, but. The, when I saw a big a headline the other day saying that 
cancer patients may have to wait for life-saving treatment because hospitals can no longer give them the treatment that they need. I there's just an in an I felt my fires burning inside me basically. Yeah. I, I could not. Yeah. I cannot comprehend how how badly families in situations where their their family members have just received news or recently received yeah. news where their where their mum or dad or sister or brother or grandfather or grandmother is suffering from cancer and can't get the treatment that they need because of yeah. the failings of this government. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, like you said, Will, nobody, I, I don't think anybody wants another lockdown per se. I think we recognise that it is necessary. But yeah. the, the ineptitude, yeah. the ineptitude is causing so many other knock-on issues that are going to impact people's lives. I mean, we haven't even touched on mental health, the mental health repercussions yeah. of this. Yeah. You know, there, there, are, there, there are huge knock-on effects of not dealing with this properly. And if they would have said straight away, we're going to take action, we're going to shut the country down. We're going to flush it out. Scientists know that viruses mutate. You know, it happens with the Spanish, the, the, the flu every year, which is why they have to change, why you have to get regular flu jabs. Um, you know, it's common that this happens. If they took action, we wouldn't be in this position now where we were still having to make these difficult decisions. And, and like you say, Brett, it's, it's, it's gross that, that, that people, that families are, are in that position. Uh, but I, Will, I don't know if you've got any any more thoughts on the. Yeah, it's just um, it is very saddening to see the uh, the fact that, especially in the March lockdown, that NHS hospitals weren't just unable to cope with cancer patients; they were basically shut off mm. from taking these sorts of patients, which was gross misconduct by Public Health England. Uh, I don't know what how much the government had an actual say in shutting these hospitals down in complete in complete in around the country, excuse me. Um, but it it is really difficult hearing about this. I really hope that as the lockdown skeptics say the figures are boosted, the figures are this, the figures are that, I really hope that the lockdown not lovers, but the lockdown need the lock people who feel that lockdown we should have locked down in totality. I really hope that their mental health figures are boosted and that this hasn't affected people as bad as it says. I really hope because it's really quite sad. It's very upsetting to see the amounts of people that they are saying are affected by this. I just really hope that that isn't the case, that mental health is better than people think, that cancer patients, although there will be some that slip through the cracks, of course, it's inevitable when you've shut off their surgery. I just really hope that the repercussions of these lockdowns from the non-COVID side um, are less than people say they will be. Because although I don't, I'm not dis, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that you just wish that you just really hope that not as many people as they say they are are going to be affected by this, because that's a great thing. And if they if they're not as if it's half as many even, that's a fantastic result. But there's no there's sign of need that to be, being the case right now, though. Which I think yeah, is it's important. Just, we, we won't know. You, you know that call centres have been flooded with calls. They say that 200% more people are calling this hotline than last year. But you just hope that they aren't calling it about the things that the headlines say. They just hope that they're just saying, oh, you're there. Like, oh, okay. No, we're hoping it's not long term. 
and it's just through lockdown. But you just want things to be better on the other side instead of going from one pandemic to another or one pandemic to an epidemic in our own country. You just want normality. You say you want to go back to normal. There isn't going to be a normal because people are going to be, there's going to be huge pressure on the NHS to do other things. There's going to be huge pressure to catch up with dental appointments, eye appointments, medical appointments, other surgeries, etc. So there is going to be a new normal, but you just hope that it isn't as much of a epidemic as they're saying, which would be a really good and nice thing to hear that oh, half as many people, as they said there were, are actually going into mental health hospitals or going in to get treatment for mental health. That would be a lovely headline, although it's sad that more people are. It'd just be a really nice I story. mean, hypothetically, it would be, but I think we've seen uh, countless articles saying that it's not the case and that people are suffering. Um, should we move on to uh, current events? now i mean we basically have talked about current events already anyway but <laughs> the official current events section and move away from uh the uk for a bit and talk about um what's been going on in america in terms of the uh sort of remainder of the election results um as of today the democrats have won a senate majority in georgia um this follows well, I, I originally want I was I kind of had to update this this story because of what happened because of this result being announced. But I originally kind of wanted to talk about the fact that uh, a leaked recording of of Trump um, and Georgia's top um, election official and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, was yeah. So it was leaked at, uh, towards the end of last week, I believe, and it showed Trump asking. Mr. Raffensperger to find to find votes so that he would win the state to sort of magic them out of nowhere um, <laughs> so that he could uh, win the state and therefore get pushed further towards winning the election despite it already being called for Joe Biden. Um, in the recording, he tells the Secretary of State that he should re-examine the result um, in in Georgia and calls for the exact amount that would give him one extra vote more than Biden. Um, people have condemned him, obviously, over this tape for abusing his power. Should... Do you both... Do, do either of you think that Trump should face some kind of legal repercussions for this? If they're necessary, then 100%. I think it's incredible that a sitting president is has been caught on tape asking an election official to find votes from somewhere. Um, and then, uh, you know, essentially threatening action against him if he wasn't to do that, you know, it could look pretty bad for you. I think he said something along those lines, if you don't. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it, it, I would say it shocks me with Trump, it, it doesn't, but it seems to just go on, this saga just goes on and on with things getting more and more ridiculous, Trump getting more and more desperate. Um, the man has lied and cheated his way through many of his successes. So we shouldn't be surprised that when he's faced with failure that he tries to do the same thing. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if it's there, if you know, I'm sure it's being looked at, if, if, if legal action can be then, then it's, it certainly should be because in many ways it is trying to under, undermine democracy. Will, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't, uh, I was busy working when apparently the story came out and I saw it the next morning. And yeah, I saw the interview saying that on the case of legal advice, there doesn't seem to be 
any grounds to prosecute on this basis because I don't know if that's a law. I don't know what. I don't, I'm not yeah, I mean, the only reason I ask it is because it seems baffling to me that somebody could, somebody in power in the highest position in that country could do that without there being some kind of law stating that they can't. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's more shocking to us Brits because politicians in this country are never really that, they're never really hugely brazen. You don't get these huge, I haven't heard, I don't think there's been a hugely Trumpian remark come out of even this current Conservative government. Like, especially if this, if this thing was ever said by anyone in any party yeah. at all, then they'd be, they'd be toast. People in this country wouldn't put up with it. We wouldn't put up with this sort of but apparently 75 million people too and i would have voted for trump against biden i would have i would have voted for the republican party i would have voted for um i wouldn't have voted specifically for trump as he's throughout the pandemic he hasn't been the best or he's actually not been the best at all in dealing with it and has said some very questionable things which some have been taken quite far and some have been very truthful in their analysis but it's just it's very it was very difficult of me to when I did come on your election show to really fight because to, I was very happy I was he did seven rallies in that one day he'd been really proactive in trying to win this campaign uh, the sort of stuff he'd said wasn't the healthiest I don't I would never have voted for Joe Biden at all I just don't like I just didn't think he would be a great president I don't think Kamala Harris uh, appeals to me in any way shape or form. Uh, but I would have voted for the Republican Party more than I would have voted for Trump. It's just, it was very incredible to hear what he actually said in the call. Uh, so the find bit, that that sort of word where he's like, I, I want to find them, go look for these votes, go. He, I think maybe the, if he said, I want you to make these votes, I want you to find, not, uh, sorry, not find, but I want you to make these votes, that might have come under legal more. But it is quite shocking. I can't stand by him anymore when he makes those sorts of comments. I stand by the Republican Party. I can't stand by somebody who willfully knows what he's doing and really does try to undermine democracy. I supported him through a lot of his campaigns. Some of the stuff he did, I was very supportive. Some of the stuff I wasn't. But this is way too far, even for me, as you would expect. Uh, you'd expect maybe a Trump supporter. I am, but just not. These last three months have just been complete car crash. And I could never, ever vote for somebody, somebody personally in a US election who did this. Even in 2024, I don't think this will be forgive, forgiven by a lot of people. And it's really sad to see that he's probably lost the Senate because of his words, his undermining of the democratic process. And I really wanted to see at least one House, or at least the House or the Senate controlled by the Republicans, to sort of slow down, bring some proper analysis to this. But it's not going to happen anymore. And that's really depressing. That's interesting, and actually, though. I, do you think that the, the, this tape being revealed that did have some effect on the fact that uh, the Democrats won the it's just Senate it back? Had to happen, it had to happen in Georgia, didn't it? It had to happen mm. in the state where... You want he wanted people to go out and vote and trust the system and make sure that their vote counts, and then says, "Oh, but if you don't, if we don't get enough votes, I'm just going to try and find them somewhere, and I'm just going to try and 
just make stuff up. He's making stuff up. There's no, he didn't win. And I know he didn't win. And I knew from the minute he lost, from the minute the votes and the NYT thing swung that way, he was not going to win. And I thought, I really did hope that he would just be like, okay, argue for a bit and then settle down once the uh, Electoral College had certified it, as he said he would. But no, it's just been a barrage of misinformation, really disappointing, really upsetting, and could break the party if they don't start breaking away from him. I don't mind them keeping his views. I just don't want them to keep him undermining undermining the vote. And that's definitely, in my opinion anyway, and I bet, I bet this is a lot of opinions, that he personally, his comments lost him lost his party the senate control absolutely fair play to you mate i think it's especially in this day and age important for people to have for the space and the ability to to change their minds and their support for people based on things like this so you know yeah kudos to you for for changing your mind and you know seeing things for as yeah. they are and i think for me it's it's go ahead sorry I, yeah so i just i'd love i would have loved there to be some sort of huge evidence which says okay this vote was fake all right, Trump, well done, you won. You did win, you found it out. But as it went on and on and on, and these court cases get thrown out and these fake and these little butchered videos, which you see, oh, this this mailman threw the votes in the, in the water or the lake or whatever, and you just think, okay, this is getting ridiculous now. How can I willfully keep retweeting, liking these posts? And I think by the 20th of November, that kind of area, I just stopped not even retweeting them. I stopped liking them. I believe I hoped there was fraud. I never believed there was fraud because I just couldn't believe that a democratic system such as the American one could have so much fraud within it. Millions of votes fraudulent. It doesn't happen. In this country, there's fraud. Of course there is. In America, there will be fraud. But on the scale that he was posting, there was no chance. And it sort of just built up in my mind. I'm not on the right side here. So I'm not on the Democrat side. I just want the Republican Party to stay as the, the the grand old party, the the really decent party. It always has been like under John McCain and people like that. It's really saddening to see that he could bring it down. Yeah, well, I think the Republican Party is a dumpster fire at the moment, and I think they've got a lot of introspection to be doing, especially because they've lost the Senate. I mean, it was the one saving grace from the election. I mean, among a few, they the gained... The that was going to be it. Yeah, they, they well they gained votes in a lot of places that they hadn't done before, so that was positive. You know, Trumpism kind of reaffirmed if it wasn't for the massive turnout and the anti-Trump sentiment, which in my opinion was right, um, they they would have won by a landslide. All this stuff, right? Uh, but yet again, he can't keep his mouth shut, can he? He can't, you know, keep his mouth shut and just see things through. And he's ended up being a gift to the Democratic Party in this election because ultimately, I, I agree with you, his words probably swung the senate for them and as uh how can joe biden win how it's hilarious character how can he win he's like the he's like the keir starmer the the, the, <laughs> the vanilla the vanilla politician who just sounds so who actually is better than keir starmer keir starmer's completely boring but i completely disagree with you there i think joe biden's a terrible terrible politician I, uh, he, he tries. He tries his best. He's old. He's a bit weird with his hands. He put, he says weird stuff. He whispers, and he he's old, very old grandpa. <laughs> I want the old man to win. Or orange man bad kind of comments like that. Trump's bad. Trump's bad. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to tell you how good I am. I'm just going to tell you how bad he is. How does someone like that win? 
this was like it's like the referendum on Boris Johnson we had over here. It doesn't make any sense how somebody like him could win, and how Trump largest voter turnout in in U.S. history. Largest know, voter turnout in U.S. history. So he he obviously did so, he obviously did something right, and you know time will tell. It, it will either be as I saw uh, uh, a a right wing commentator say earlier, unbridled communism within the USA. Or it will be, as I suspect, as I suspect, the middle of the road corporate Democratic Party governing uh, for the, for the next four years, and it will be a very interesting election the next time round. I um, I will say that I think um, Trump won't be going away, and that the 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 Republican. <laughs> The Republican Party are going to have to find a way to live with Trump in their ear um, until he dies, and they've got to, you know, figure out where, where, what, the, where they want to be, what they want to represent, how they're going to retain the support that they did um, gain uh, in the next election with with him there without completely selling out, essentially. So it's going to be a really interesting, a really interesting four years. I would go to a Trump rally. I would go to one. I don't, not because so would I. Yeah, I think I would too. Not because of my huge support from him. I just think they're fantastic to watch. I think the people there, they love. They are genuinely love this person. You don't get that over here. You don't get the. You do. You do get it over here. It's it's incredibly similar. It's incredibly similar to Jeremy Corbyn followers and their unbridled. I think some would say cultish following to that leader. That's how I would describe it. That's how you I would describe get, it. You don't get political rallies like that over here. You did in the in the elections when Jeremy Corbyn was leader. You did. I would know. You know, you wouldn't get fifty thousand people turned out to a stadium. Just every single town and city in the United Kingdom, you would not fill out a massive stadium. I tell you and what, I would have just, loved to watch I'm Jeremy Corbyn do the YMCA. It was just. I would love to. I would like to meet everyone. I want to wear the hat. I want to do everything. It's just, <laughs> I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be great. But I would just listen to what he says. I wouldn't care what he says, even if he goes, "Oh, Joe Biden's a crook." He or crooked Hillary Clinton or whatever, or Sleepy Joe. All of that. It's just a laugh. It's just, uh, just be great fun. It's a laugh until you remember that he was president of the United States for four years in one, what was one of <laughs> arguably the worst reigns of a president yeah. in modern history. So if he doesn't it's a laugh until you remember that. If, if he doesn't face any kind of legal repercussions to go to prison, maybe he should consider a a career in stand up. Yeah, maybe. Or go like, do strictly come dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, uh, Jack, did you want to move on to the uh you wanted to uh, Yeah, just to really quickly because I know we're we're sort of running low on on time and we've been going for a yeah. while so I just quickly there was uh, I've been doing some a series of videos that I'm going to continue doing now, and it won't just be based on this topic. It's going to be on, on different topics and looking at news stories and kind of fleshing them out in one-minute videos on all of our different uh, social media platforms, Demographic UK. If you don't follow us already, then please do. Um, we're on literally every platform now, I think, that there is. We've got we're Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we've got TikTok. Um, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, all, all, all the platforms. So uh, the last three days there have been mainly focused on the Chinese Communist Party and their various human rights abuses and the genocide that they're committing um, against the Uyghur people um, in the Xinjiang region. Um, you can see here I've got a poster of Ekpar Asat. He is an entrepreneur, um, a Uyghur Muslim who has been missing for three years 
Um, it's be- he was been taken to I believe it's he's been taken to one of these camps. He hasn't been heard of. He visited. He was on an exchange um, in the U.S. Visited his sister, um, Rayhan Asat, who uh, was studying at Harvard Law School, um, and then when he returned, was um, was taken essentially to to one of these camps and hasn't been heard of. There's a fantastic campaign by Burst the Bubble. Um, who we're going to be going to be interviewing next week, or either next week or the week after, fix next week. Um, uh, who are uh, running the free ECPAR campaign to um, put pressure on the the Commun- Chinese Communist Party, but also on governments in different countries to uh, put sanctions on on China to stop the genocide and to free those that have been taken from their loved ones. And it's obviously not just ECPAR; it's over a million people that have been taken into these camps. Um, not only that, there is um, evidence, pretty clear evidence of systematic organ harvesting that's being um, propagated against Uyghur Muslims and Falun Dafa Buddhist, the Falun Dafa uh, Buddhist community, yet again are running an, a sensational stop organ harvesting campaign. Um, so go go and check that out as well. So um, we, I just really want to highlight these campaigns and how important they are and how important it is for us as people that have a voice, as people that have a platform to stand up against what's occurring at the moment. Um, please write to your MPs, specifically if you live in a conservative constituency, there is an amendment to the trade bill, I believe it's amendment nine to the trade bill that's running through the House of Commons that would allow a nation to um, remove a country or themselves from a trade deal if it, there were evidence that they were propagating genocide and that would be the first time that a nation had the ability to do that. Um, the government are going to oppose that amendment and essentially we're relying on about 40 Tory rebels to um, vote for the, the amendment and, and hope that that goes through. So, you know, everyone's working really hard to, to pressure um, not just our own government but governments around the world to put a stop to this and to, to you know hold the Chinese Communist Party to account I just wanted to sort of share that and please everybody get involved as much as you possibly can if, if you're not willing to make videos or write to your MP then share stuff listen to stories um, listen to the experiences of people that um, have been and are being persecuted um, so yeah that's that's all I wanted to share really yeah absolutely um, it's uh, I mean given what's been sort of highlighted coming out of China over the last couple of years it, it it's something that really can't be ignored anymore. I don't think by by the international community, and um, I would hate to look back on it in years and think that we didn't do anything when it and it let it just got worse. So, absolutely, it's incredibly important to to participate in these campaigns if you can and yeah. contact your MPs. Uh, let's move on to quick fire questions and kind of try and light up lighten up the mood a little bit. Although <laughs> I've got to admit, my questions aren't particularly light. Um, <laughs> it's reflective of the period that we're in. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my well, first. <laughs> my first uh, question is: on a scale of one to ten, how much do you trust the government's coronavirus advice? As in, in one being the lowest, ten being the highest. Are we talking about the guidance, like the social distancing guidance and that kind of stuff? Yes, and the regulations and lockdowns. Yeah, I, I'd say like I trust it, like at seven or an eight. My issue isn't necessarily the guidance itself; it's when and how it's being applied. That would be my issue. So I trust the, you know, I trust the guidance, but no, I'm not saying that masks don't work or any of that nonsense. Mm. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
probably nine or ten. Uh, of course, the advice is the right advice. These are be these are professional people who are dictating and advising what the advice should be. Yeah, I would say that. I yeah, the, the advice definitely is correct, and so nine out nine or ten out of ten, absolutely. I, I would you, I would say around a, a five or six because I do I will comply with what they say, and I do believe that what is currently in place is the right um, thing to do. But I can't help but uh, to, but distrust them over what over the 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 u-turns and decision making they've made over the last month two months because it 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 leads me i don't know if you guys have felt this but when i'm considering uh what i can and can't do i'm thinking about what the government is suggesting and then thinking does that really make much sense for my situation um but is that is that to do with their guidance or is that to do with the delivery because that was my point it's like the guidance i trust like now they've put it in place I try, like I, I believe that it will be somewhat effective. I don't believe it the way that they've delivered it and the time that they've delivered it is right. So that would be my. Um, it depends maybe... how you you're like what how you frame the question, right? Sure. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, but I, I still think that because of the the flip flopping, I'm I'm less inclined to trust. You sort of second guess it. Yeah, yeah. I will listen I mean, to I mean, medical yeah. experts. Um, but the government itself, but I don't know if I can trust the individual ministers when they can go from one day saying that schools <laughs> won't be closed and they're safe to the next day saying that they're not safe yeah. and they are going to close. Um, yeah, my school would have fluctuated throughout like the 10 o'clock rule, 10 p.m. curfew, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Nonsense, absolute nonsense. But yeah. I believe, exactly, yeah. of course, to control the virus, of course, shutting schools work. Sure. It's just the repercussions of that. But if you're talking about genuinely controlling the virus, the measures in place right now are probably an eight to a ten in mm -hmm. going to stop this virus from every every rule is going to stop this virus from transmitting. Yeah. Uh, my next question is: Are you optimistic about twenty twenty one? Yeah, yeah, always, always yeah. optimistic. Always got to be optimistic. Yeah. 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 100%. I would say I am as well. Despite despite the the rough start, I would say I am. Um, We've had a great vaccine rollout. It's going to happen. We we're, we're beating Europe as they always say. We're going to get it. It's going to go right. And there's definitely optimism for this year. Well, I like your optimism in that respect, but I'm not sure if I'd agree. <laughs> Let's keep it quick fire, though. Yes. My next, uh, my next question is, in your opinion, when someone says a few, what number do you think of? Three. Five. Yeah, I would, five? I'd say five as yes. well. Yeah. Or what? Between like four, four and six. A couple's two. A couple's, a couple's two, two. A yeah. few is three. No, a few's. Yeah, no. A few's <laughs> <five>. <laughs> Maybe I'd say three. Three and more is a few. If you were gonna say, I'll have a few Jaffa cakes. Yeah. I'd eat the packet. Maybe ten. <laughs> <laughs> three Jaffa cakes. Yeah. No, five. I'm gonna have a few drinks. Ten. Uh, my last question is: uh, Which photograph that you've taken is your favourite? While you guys think about that, I had to think about it before, um, and I think it's yeah, you cheat. <laughs> I think it's probably. Uh, I took a. I went. I did a, a, a road trip around America a few years ago, mm. and we went to mm. Monument Valley, and there was a sort of. 
hard to describe, but there was like a, a sandstone pillar that had like an overhang. And in that overhang was a carved out circle that was basically like a skylight. And I took a right. picture of that and it's just like a golden... It, the lighting is great. It's just like a blue, clear blue sky and then a golden like circle. And it just looks great. Nice. I probably nice. described it, and it in my it, it probably sounds way better than it actually looks in the way that I described <laughs> it. But yeah. anyway, we can imagine. Just allow us to yeah. imagine. Yeah. Imagine that I'm a way better photographer than I actually <laughs> am. <laughs> anyway, what about you guys? Well, any idea? I've got no idea. I I I I can't think of one off the top of my head. I've taken some nice ones, sort of like on holiday in, in when I was in a couple of Greek islands out was, on a boat. I was half nice expecting ones. you, Jack, to say it was a picture of one of your friends drunk out of their mind. Well, I've got some great videos. <laughs> videos, yeah, no, I'm talking about pictures. Will? I was very lucky to go on holiday this year um, in the summer. I know. Well, went on holiday during a pandemic. I mean, sue me, but uh, it's just, <laughs> uh, we it's, did too. Just, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I did. I did take one where Croatia. It was uh, the the whole sky was red or reddy orange. Look at that now. The the it's a light like green tree coastal coming in big waves and that. So that was that was quite nice. nice. Croatia. Yeah, I think they're always the best. Yeah, just like a nice landscape. Mm. Whereabouts in Croatia were you? Uh, split. Uh, nice. Yeah, nowhere near yeah. the capital. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I'd like to go to Croatia. I think, yeah, like holiday pictures are all the best. Yeah, Croatia's supposed mm. to be beautiful as well. Yeah. It's very nice, yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Will. That was a good episode. That was a good one to yeah, start. Yeah, cheers, Will. With. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, no, this is a. It's going to be really interesting going forward this year to see what <laughs> happens. To yeah, definitely. This, see what happens with the news and how you can boost this platform to support other things like you're doing with china it's gonna be really interesting so we can't wait cheers mate thanks for your contribution as well i'm sure we'll have you on again on our live when it starts up you're always there so yeah cool Uh, thanks for watching guys we are going to be obviously doing these podcasts again regularly so we should be back again next week uh with i believe we're having george holt on next week one of our regular contributors so make sure to to look out for that um and yeah we'll see you then Bye. Make sure you subscribe, oh, subscribe, follow yeah, on every do platform. That as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Cheers, cheers, Brett.